We're talking purpose today on Renew Gurus. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. My name is James Owen. I'm the executive director of Renew Missouri here at our glorious brand spanking new studios in Columbia, Missouri. They're not brand spanking new. We've moved conference rooms and that's why I'm saying this. Um, We have Tim Opitz, our general counsel here. Tim, hello. hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Jinx. We both said hello at the same time. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast. Also, running the boards, Matt Patterson. Matt, hi. I feel jinxed. Is that something? No, I mean, never mind. Something totally different. I think you mean cursed. (laughs) You feel cursed. Okay. um, Good day. Good day. Hello. Um, (coughs) We are here. I know like for the past couple of podcasts, we've been talking about legislative issues that were uh, before the 2019 session. Uh, mercifully, I think we're over that. <laughs> Some of those were getting a little technical, and I forgive me I, if you were uh, thinking, "Oh my gosh, are we going to really have to listen to forty minutes of property tax assessment uh, discussion?" We're not going to have to do that anymore. Um, but we are wanting to talk about something that Renew Missouri has taken on. Uh, we've mentioned this in a couple of our renews. Uh, we've mentioned this in a fundraising letter that is coming out. Uh, to some of you here, hopefully this week, Matthew, this week. Yeah, they're, they should be hitting mailboxes today. Yeah, so avoid your mail. <laughs> we'll be calling you anyway, don't worry. Um, I don't really know where to start with this, Tim, but you were kind of involved with this. You and Andrew, who is our St. Louis director, also counsel for Renew Missouri. Um, we're looking at changing some rules and regulations with the Public Service Commission. That's right. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. Um when you want to change a rule and regulation, I think most people think, well, doesn't the agency just do that and change a rule or regulation? Is that something that just anybody can ask for? Um, most of the time, the agency starts it. Yep. Um, but there are provisions in Missouri law, 536. Um, Chapter 536, Revised Missouri Statutes. Yes. RSMO. RSMO. There you go. Uh, they have a provision <laughs> in it at uh, 041 that allows parties to petition the agency for rulemaking. Anyone can petition the um, administrative body that oversees a particular set of rules or regulations in the Missouri Register to have them look at whether they need to rescind it, revise it, or create a new rule. Okay, so the Missouri Register, make sure everyone knows, that's where we have all the rules and regulations for all the departments of Missouri, like Missouri administrative rules and regulations, is that right? Right. Okay. So, like, if you're talking about Public Service Commission, Department of Natural Resources, whatever, those are all in the Missouri Register. Right. The, the Code of State Regulations, the register is a thing that it gets published in to give people notice about it. Okay. So, okay. Am, I, am, I, am I giving people bad information here? <laughs> Let's make sure. Okay. So, the Missouri Register is where the codes can be found, right? You can... F- find them in the Code of State Regulations. Yeah. The register is published uh, bi-monthly. Bi-monthly? I believe it's bi-monthly. Um, and that's where there's <laughs> notices of rulemaking. Oh. <laughs> okay, so let's make sure this is clear. In the register is where you do notices that rules <laughs> might be changing. 
but there is a code that just has all the rules and regulations in them, all right? Yes? That's right. Oh, thank heavens I got that right. Okay. You'd think as a lawyer I would know this, but I don't. Okay, so now we all know together. So, the Public Service Commission, and let's, let's go back a little bit because we're not talking about all these departments, all these agencies. We're talking about the Public Service Commission. Um, you know, I think it's important to talk about how they're set up. The Public Service Commission is created by the Missouri legislature. There's a statute and a set of statutes that say the Public Service Commission is going to do this and this is what we want them to do. Now, you know, there's about three chapters of the revised Missouri statutes that deal with the Public Service Commission, but they don't get into every detail about how the Public Service Commission works, how they operate. It's only just kind of like goes into like what makes them an agency. Right. Okay, good. Thank you for verifying. But so like the Public Service Commission has to have like rules to talk about like procedure before them, how they do specific things, how they kind of see out the uh, role of what the legislature has paved for them. Right. So, yeah, their procedure, their processes, what people can expect when they go before the Missouri Public Service Commission, what utilities need to do. Right. That's important to lay out. Um, but then whenever there's a new statute, for example, um, the... Um, PISA? PISA or the RES, right? A lot of times those statutes will talk about... The renewable Energy Standard. Right. Yeah. A, lot of the, a lot of times those um, Senate bills or House bills, however they matriculate through the General Assembly, will have a provision in there giving the commission rulemaking authority yeah. to implement that new rule. Um, one thing that we're working on right now is, you mentioned related to PURPA, which yeah. doesn't necessarily originate from a Missouri law, um, but it comes from a uh, federal federal law. Yes, uh, which is also important for our public service commission to have regulations that appropriately accommodate that federal law. Right. So let's talk about PURPA for a second, because yes, PURPA is a federal law. It was passed in 1978, right? Yes. Okay, and it stands for Public Utility Regulatory Policies Act. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would totally fail at Jeopardy. Um, so yeah, that's PURPA. Um, and it was passed by Congress in 1978, signed by President Carter. Um, it was kind of in response to the energy crisis at the time. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I think that's accurate. So, you know, we when we talk about it, we say, well, this was passed in the 70s um, to diversify our country's power supply um, by facilitating market access. Um, for renewable energy generators and other co-generation facilities, right. really to um, diversify the way we get our power right. using free market principles. And one of the things that we always try to emphasize here, and one of the things that we, you know, because we are in a conservative state, we are in a state that isn't going to exactly embrace clean energy, but we talk about the fact that you really shouldn't have um, your energy source coming from one spot. I mean, like, right, one of the big concerns we had and continue to have with, like, say, Ameren, Missouri, is because they are, like, over 80% of where they get their power from is from coal still. They're improving that. That's getting better. We're trying to support those efforts. But it's very coal-heavy. Um, Empire, for a long time, was very coal-heavy. They're making improvements on that. 
Uh, KCPNL, um, you know, they're you know, given the day, they get a lot of win. I mean, they're they might be a little better than some, but we've always said, you know, you shouldn't just get from coal. You shouldn't just get from nuclear. You should look at everything because ultimately, especially with coal, we're talking about finite resources here. Right. Yeah. So okay, you mentioned something about cogeneration here, and let's zero in on that a little bit. When we talk about cogeneration as a concept. I mean, what do we mean? What, are we, what does that mean? When we talk about cogeneration of power uh, within PURPA, what, what does that, what are we talking about? So... In 10 seconds or less. <laughs> I think within PURPA, we're talking about qualifying facilities, which would be these small... Or QFs. ...generation sources like, uh, you know, a 20 megawatt solar field. Yeah. Or um, there's, you know, our Division of Energy talks about... Um, combined heat and power that has the potential to be a qualifying facility, right? Um, depending on the size. So it's not necessarily limited to renewable resources. I mean, mm -hmm. those are the ones we prefer, and those are the ones I think the economics make the most sense um, for avoided cost and under PURPA. But anyway, these qualifying facilities are usually put in by a independent power producer. Right. These are not utility it. facilities. No, they put, they put forward the capital, they uh, do all the siting, they yeah build it and then they just want to sell that power and that capacity to the utility. Yeah. And they're they they sell it, they put it on the grid. Now they had to have there has to be contracts with the utility companies for this, right? We couldn't just say, oh hi, regular Joe, you go put a bunch of solar panels in your field and you then uh, get to sell your power to the utility companies. That's not what we're talking about when we say co generators. Right. So you know there could be some overlap there. I mean if you have a PPA, which you can do now, and a lot purchase of purchase power agreement, and a lot of our utilities have <laughs> yeah. purchase power agreements, that's something that you know could fit within you know a, a quasi purpa sort of accomplishment, allowing these independent power producers to participate in energy generation in the state. But really, it's um, separate because with the PPA, the utility has a lot more control over it, and they're really using their market power to yeah. um, either pick who's involved in the market or to exclude people who are involved in the right. market. So just to make sure everyone's clear about what a PPA is, that's basically when the uh, utility companies enter into a contract with someone who's like a third party energy provider and they basically, it's for a set amount of years, it's for a set amount of power um, and basically because utility companies don't often want to build everything that makes power for them. They want to be able to rely on other outside people to do that. Is that close they have a to what a ppa is anyway? sure yeah okay <laughs> i don't like your confidence in that answer <laughs> but uh, we're gonna go with it so so you have these ppas and so i mean with this cogeneration does it work like a ppa or is it a ppa what's what distinguishes those two things so under um I guess the rules that we propose. Oh, I mean, yes. I'm sort of jumping ahead. We will be getting to those, but uh, yes, let's jump ahead. Or let's talk about it in, in other states that have had yeah. uh, strong purple policies, like yeah. North Carolina, uh, Michigan has been working on it. So the utility will be required to file tariffs that usually have a standard offer contract that has you know public information about how they're going to calculate their avoided costs. Um, in, in good circumstances, they have terms outlining when the utility is obligated to purchase power from this independent power producer. Huh. And so in that regard, um, it sort of reduces the market power of the utility 
to pick where they're getting their generation. And it says, rather than you picking, you have to purchase it as long as it's the lowest cost or right. at the avoided cost of right. uh, your generation. So this isn't like something that would be jacking up prices for any customers because, as you said, one of the things that goes into this is they have to be – it has to be somewhat competitive or it has to be something that uh, would – you know, you can't just hold the uh, utility companies at your mercy if you are one of these qualified qualifying facilities. The, you have to like have certain prices set for this, right? Right. And so, two important things that we talk about, or that other people who want to develop these that they talk about, are contract length and the uh, legally enforceable obligation. Okay. Um, because those. Um, really gives some certainty and stability to the power producer as well as the utility as to what they're going to be required to purchase and the prices yeah. that they're going to get. Because if you're looking at real time, um, you know, certain prices and things may change and it just doesn't give you the level of certainty either to purchase it on behalf of the utility or to build it in order to sell it to the utility. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so I know you're, you're we're, we're itching to talk about this. So let's, okay, so basically right now there is rules involving PURPA and rules involving cogeneration in Missouri right now on the books, right? Right, so those And are, they stink. Those are, are cogeneration and yeah. is, they're very... Not a laugh on that? Okay, I had good timing on that, sorry. They're very <laughs> minimal in what they require utilities yeah. to do. And basically you're talking about a very low amount of power that they would be required to buy. Right. I think it's 100 kilowatts is the size of, yeah. of their system that they're required to buy yeah. under um, our current cogeneration rules. Right. Ameren, Missouri has tariffs that go beyond that, uh -huh. um, but it's still not, I, I think it's maybe 500 kilowatts. Yeah. I don't think it's it's even one megawatt. I mean, ultimately, when you're talking about these solar developers, I mean, because we're mainly talking about solar here, right? I mean, we're talking about mainly people who are going to be building large-scale solar facilities that are wanting to sell this power. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Okay. People under 80 megawatts. Okay. Yeah, and so, but, like, that costs a lot of money. I mean, you're, you're talking about, like, if you're going to be building a facility or an array in Missouri to put that kind of investment and capital into it, it costs a lot to own and operate that. Safe to say? Yeah, it does. I mean, just for a comparison example, um, one of our utilities on the western side of the state put in a, a pilot solar facility, and it's three megawatts. Yeah. Um, and the cost, well, the value of that in the last rate case, and the, these are public figures, it was about $9 million. Okay. So about $9 million for three megawatts. So when you're looking at a larger facility, you're going to get better economies of scale. The price isn't going to scale up linearly, but it's it's going to be a significant investment. Yeah, I mean, and basically that I, I don't know if that's a utility built project, which one you're talking about, but I know that also, even though we're talking about nine million dollars, I mean, a third party can do it for less, but it's still a multi million dollar investment. That's right. So you need to be able to sell a lot of power if you're going to build one of those. Um, so that's right, and, and you need to be able to sell it over a period of years. Yeah. Because if you you can't collect all of that in one year, right? Um, you know, you've got to do it over the life of these. 
projects. I mean, how long do these normally last? I mean, we're talking about these contracts that we're looking at other states and how beneficial those are. I mean, what's a good contract in your opinion? So we have proposed 15 years. Um, I think that there were people, um, industry groups or solar developers who um, filed comments supporting that contract um, as sort of the minimum lower end of what they needed. Right. Um, I think if you got to 20 years, that would be good. But the longer the contract, the more the utilities who are going to have to purchase this are going to balk at that. Right. So, um, okay. So knowing all of that, knowing that, I mean, right now what we're seeing, what Renew is already seeing is someone who does a lot of this policy work in the state. Uh, we don't see a lot of people coming into Missouri to do this kind of work under the existing rules. No, we don't. There, there's a few out there, but they're right. kind of... Uh, unicorns, I guess. Yeah, they're kind of unique circumstances. So we looked at this, and I mean, this is something that's been going on for, for a while now. We look, I know like Andrew, for example, our St. Louis guy has been talking about this for a while. Uh, you and I haven't been here for more than a couple of years yet, so it's still relatively new to us. But when I first started here back in 2017, we had a meeting. Um, and I guess I'm not talking out of school here. I guess I talk about this with everybody. We had a meeting with the Public Service Commission staff. Not the commission that is the uh, appointed officials that make these decisions, but their regulatory bureaucratic staff that kind of like, you know, do the day in, day out regulatory work for uh, the utilities. And we had talked to them about the possibility of proposing a new rule for cogeneration. And we thought this was really significant because, I mean, honestly, regulators, you know, the PSC staff, and I'm not trying to say this is a criticism, they are conservative when it comes to like how they move things in Missouri. I mean, they, I think that, that part of their job they see is to be cautious. Going out on a limb with me on that one, Tim, or? Yeah, no. I think that's right. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the nature of any uh, bureaucratic system. Yeah. It, and I don't mean that in, the, in a pejorative sense. Yeah, because I think some people say bureaucrats and that sounds like a bad word. Right. I don't say bureaucrats as a bad word. I say it as like, well, that's like the people who are kind of, you know, doing these, <clears throat> you know, kind of minute day-to-day things um, and, and as part of government. Now, so we were excited about that. We had this idea. We, we talked to utility, you know, utility scale solar companies, independent solar companies about what they would need uh, for rules to do this. So we want to get a sense of what the industry is uh, going to want. Um, so we have an idea in our head about what this is going to look like. The Public Service Commission, they put on workshops, they have comments, and we were involved with that, and we were supportive of it, but some some were not. Yeah. So Like they, the utility companies, for instance. So, so just to add some color to the, the time that this has been oh, going on. Please, I, I, thought I, was, I thought I was including it. Um, modern iteration of these PURPA cogeneration rule um, revisions really started in earnest around 2015, fall of 2015, which seems like a long time ago now. Um, Would you say it's earnest goes into right making? Are you too young? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just made like an Ernest <laughs> T. Merle reference. Uh, I don't know if you Oh my gosh. We might have to cut that out. It, okay, so like <laughs> Ernest P. Merle was this character that like did these shows like Ernest Goes to Camp, Ernest Goes oh, to yes, Jail. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He becomes Santa or something. Yeah, he saves Christmas. Saves Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And every time I hear someone say they're doing something in earnest, I'm like, 
it just makes me go back to like <laughs> Ernest P. Roll. I'm so sorry. What were you saying? Um, <laughs> I think we should probably leave that in now. I'm so yeah, so so they began looking at um, a whole number of developing issues related to electric um, utilities. Yeah, and so it was this huge uh, work working sh- workshop working docket. Um, the staff issued their report in 2017. One of their recommendations, um, you know, at our urging, or Renew Missouri's urging, yeah. um, was to uh, look at revising the co-generation rules to be compliant with PERPA. Right. So in 2017, they opened, the commission formally opened a, a workshop on that particular issue. Right. So that went, went on, everybody filed comments, staff developed a rule that tried to incorporate people's comments. Other people filed more comments about that rule. People filed comments responding to each other's comments. Um, we're talking utilities. We're talking solar developers. We're talking uh, industrial rural, customers. Industrial customers. Yeah. Uh, consumer advocate groups. Right. Um, so it's really been a pretty robust process. Um, and, and the utility companies, I mean, if you want to boil down what they're they, because they don't like this, they don't want to see this change. What have they said? What's their problem with this? So they have fallen back on two things one is they don't want to do it um so don't <laughs> seems you know, compelling so, so please don't make us do it <laughs> uh and then the second is you know if you're going to make us do it we're okay with some small changes but we would really rather look at this from a integrated resource planning process oh. and um allow them to build the generation or to contract for the generation. You say them, you mean the utility companies? Utilities. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, because, I mean, some of the comments I read, one board that kept, one phrase that kept coming up is regulatory burden. And it's interesting to me because this is a regulated industry. Like, they exist because of regulations. (laughs) I mean, isn't it, like, isn't their whole concept kind of a regulatory burden, for lack of a better term? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I want to be like, yeah, no kidding. It's a regulatory burden. That's what you deal with every yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's burdens and there's benefits. I mean, they yeah. they get rate cases where they look at their costs, and as long as it was prudently incurred, they can recover that with an opportunity for ten percent ROE. You know, yeah, or something in that range. Nine to ten is usually what we see in the state. Nine to ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, more towards ten than nine. So yeah, so they're like, as you said, they just don't want to do it. Um, and I mean, you know, ultimately. So, like, what do, like, customers, like, what do some of these, like, industrial-scale customers think? They don't like it either, right? Yeah, they don't like it. I, You know, I think one of the comments that I heard at one of the workshops, a representative of, of the Who was it? Um, Mr. Brubaker. Oh, uh, Morris Brubaker. I mean, actually kind of a living legend when it comes to working on these utility rate cases. He's a, he, We've worked with him in previous iterations. So we're not going to say anything bad about Morris. Right. Is I accidentally he... called him Maurice once, which <laughs> I, I think I got in trouble for, but um, whatever. That would be very uh, very different name. It's spelled like that. Anyway. Yeah. So, so at one of the <laughs> workshops, um, he articulated his concern that most of our utilities in Missouri are long on capacity, meaning they don't need any new generation. Right. And so his view was that since PERPA is very related to avoided costs, and I'm paraphrasing here, right. that um, we didn't need to do this rule um, and that it would only 
increased costs to customers was mm. his belief. Right. And that's what his and that's what he advocates for. I mean, just the same way the utility companies are in some way advocating for their shareholders because that's who they have a, you know, kind of a fiduciary obligation to represent. But I mean, I guess that, you know, that comes into a question that we confront a lot in this state is our demand for power is a little flat right now. Right. Um, you might not notice we're, <laughs> we're, we're struggling with some economic issues here. We're struggling to attract um, um people here to live i mean we're losing population you're looking at me like i'm, I'm going too far afield here well too. i don't think so <laughs> i don't know do you that, think that's not the the challenge that utilities are facing there there's a, a challenge that a lot of utilities are facing about demand um but i don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing i mean we when we look at energy efficiency we're trying to reduce the amount of power customers are using right, mm -hmm. right. um so i think that if we were to have uh, and we've had relative success with energy efficiency programs in Missouri. Um, if we were to have more robust, we would see energy demand sort of remain the same, uh -huh. um, at least until electric vehicles start taking off. So. Right. And I mean, that's another thing. That's a reason why we're advocating for electric vehicles is because we think that will increase demand. And we think right now the direction that utility companies are going in is more towards renewables. And so we want to encourage that. Right. And we would be doing that by having this cogeneration of solar, as an example. Right. And, and our view is that if it's going to allow the utility to purchase this power at the avoided cost, it's going to be better for customers. Yeah. Because you're talking about, like, the, they have to buy it at, like, something that's, like, inherently cheaper. Right. By law. <laughs> so, okay. So we have these workshops. We have these comments. We have been working with staff. Um, and so we're going along, and then we keep expecting that staff is going to introduce a rule. Because like we said earlier in the podcast, PSC is usually the one who introduces these rules, and then everyone kind of reacts to them, and we kind of deal with them and try to figure out what we think will be the best. And so that's really ultimately what we're hoping for. But um, we keep being told that there's going to be an announcement or they're going to release this. doesn't happen. doesn't happen. Um, and then we find out, and this is a little bit of – Jeff City inside baseball here, um, and maybe people know this. There's going to be some uh, moving around of eight of departments, uh, of divisions and departments, and for whatever reason, to a newly named uh, entity called the Department of Commerce and Insurance, which I got a lot of thoughts on that <laughs> um, because well, I mean, one, um, you know. Economic, I mean, like, really, the PSC was just housed where, like, they would just have to deal with, like, things like HR and things like that. It wasn't, like, really, like, we weren't, as a state, saying, oh, we consider utilities being a part of economic development. Yeah. Tim, the, comment. The, the Public Service Commission has a, a fair amount of autonomy in the way it's Yeah, goes. by I mean, design. There are significant um, statutory authorization for them to exist and yeah. what they regulate and what they can do. Um, so moving them to a different department, I think, will have minimal effect on their daily yeah. operations. And yet, when they did, what we were told, and I'm, not, I'm still again, I'm not trying to talk out of school, because this is pretty common when you have shakeups like this in, the, um, in Jefferson City. You're going to have a new boss, you're going to have a new department head, and they didn't want to like sign off on any new rules. They're, they weren't going to have to go like, want to start any new rule processes because they were going to change agencies on August 28th and they didn't want that to be some new thing they had to deal with, um, which is an important question to ask you now, Tim. Uh, when you introduce one of these pro new proposed rules, I mean, it doesn't 
it, it's a pretty, it can be kind of a slow process. Yeah, when the agency itself does it, it can move relatively quickly, right? Um, because there are time frames laid out within the uh, yeah. administrative procedures. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still thinking about the Ernest P. Worrell thing. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so... If the Public Service Commission wanted to move forward with it, they could move pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean, the holdups are going to be, it's got to be reviewed by um, uh, JCAR. Um, the um, head of economic development has looked at it. And right now, because of an executive order issued under former Governor Greitens, um, it's got to be reviewed by the governor's office. Oh, good thing we've got that. So, yeah, so all of those reviews... Um, have to take place, and they do take some period of time. And JCAR is the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules, which is a function of the legislature. Right. And so what they're supposed to do is basically look at all rules that come out, administrative rules, um, and determine whether there is statutory authority for that agency ah. to make that rule. So they're not necessarily, it's not necessarily, I mean, as an idea, it's not designed to have a political impact on these bills just to make sure that they're consistent with what's already on the books but i mean there could be some political right so if there if there is you know if they look at it and they determine that it's not something that is unlawful like that the commission has or the agency has this authority to move forward with the rule there's an opportunity for the legislature to meet and basically vote down that uh -huh. administrative rule. Right. So that's so, possible. So in my that view, happen. that's where the political aspect of it okay. should come in. Right. You might be talking about something different. No. Okay. No. I just wanted to get your insight on it. All right. Well, anyway, no. So. So, so okay, okay. So if the agency does it, but in our case, the agency didn't do that. That's right. Because they said they were, I mean, they basically were kind of trying to be mindful of this change they were going to go through. And so we sat around and said, well, maybe we should just file this, which is what we did. Which is what we did, which we're allowed to do under the law. Which we're allowed to do under the law. But now, in practice, how often have we seen this work? I've never seen it work. Oh. In front of the public service. Oh, dear commission. heavens. I, I knew this, folks. Don't <laughs> worry. I mean, sometimes I, I, I sound like an idiot on here. I, I knew this. I mean, this was a um, this was a little risky. But, I mean, at the same time, though, I mean, we... We're just going to reveal the curtain here a little bit. We knew the staff had been, the Public Service Commission staff had been working on this. And we knew they had something. We knew it wasn't necessarily going to be something like we had. Uh, because I think we've talked about this a little bit. We want to increase that, uh, you know, the size of this five megawatts. We want to have a certain amount of contracts. We want to have uh, legally uh, enforceable uh, obligations. Am I saying that right? Right. Leos. Yep. I'm not going to make any more, like, puns because I could think of like a lion joke there. I'm done with puns and things like that today. Um, but we had these things we wanted in there. And we we put that out there and um, people reacted. Right. They And they responded much in the same way they responded to our prior comments in yeah. the working document. We don't need this. We don't want this. <laughs> they said we're too developer friendly. You know. Yeah. That Which it's, um, it's designed to help development. <laughs> Right, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting criticism to say, you know, you're going to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, I, I find that some of the arguments on this, I mean, look, and look, I understand they have to make these arguments, but a lot of the arguments are almost like not very, I mean, I guess I would not find them persuadable because they are absolutely kind of 
behind like what our intentions are here. We want this to be something that's regulated. We want this to be something that spurs development. And, and quite frankly, in our talks with uh, regulators and everything, I think they want to spur development too, to a certain extent. Yeah, and expanding it with a rule like the one we propose still gives the Public Service Commission, um, and I heard former Governor Jay Nixon talk about this, you know, that the Public Service Commission should have, you know, the strength to regulate utilities and the flexibility to do so in a way they think is in the public interest. Now, wait a minute, Tim. Did Governor Jay Nixon say that at the Renew Missouri's end-of-the-year energy law CLE? He did. Oh, man. Make your reservation for next year. Okay. Um, yeah, so so our rule, um, I guess, overlaps with that concept very well because it still gives the Public Service Commission the ability to determine what the avoided costs are, to determine what the contract lengths would be, um, to determine when the legally enforceable obligation begins. Yeah. And really, they it helps preserve the ability of the utilities to operate in a world where we're seeing advances in technology. Mm. We've seen a lot of places go away from the vertically integrated utility area. Right, which um, which is, we could do podcast after podcast about what all that means, but ultimately, what I think this rule that we propose is actually putting us in line with what Congress intended. Some 42, 40 years ago, 41 years ago. No, 41 years ago, 1978. Um, that, I mean, I think that was what they were trying to do. They were trying to, like, you know, spur modernization in utility, right? And with utility management. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm glad we agree on that. Um, and you talk about vertically, vertically integrated uh that's, I mean, that's kind of what we have here in Missouri. We have a, we do have vertically integrated. And you might know the other version of that, which is restructured, but some people would call that deregulated markets. Deregulated right? or, you know, competitive markets yeah. where you have a choice in your electric provider. We actually did a uh, podcast on deregulated markets, which is so bad, I we haven't released it, maybe like this one. <laughs> Uh, but we will need to redo that again because I thought that was I thought the material was pretty good. It just I was having kind of a loopy day. Um, so okay, so we've we filed this. People have responded to it, and then uh, here's the M Night Shyamalan twist: uh, the Public Service Commission rejected our rule. <laughs> Ta-da! Yeah. So, but that's not the end of the story, folks. Yeah, we filed our <laughs> comments on June third, or yeah. our petition. Yes. And so under the law, the Public Service Commission had to basically approve or reject it within 60 days. Right. And so they ordered their staff to file comments um, in early July. The staff filed theirs a few weeks early. Uh-huh. Um, so that was good. And it was basically the rule that everybody had already seen in their workshop. Yeah. Um, so this is this year-old rule. The commission, I think it was last week. It was, la- it it was, was last, last Wednesday. Week, yeah. They issued an order. Um, denying our petition. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but they said, we do think that there are revisions necessary for this rule. Aha! So staff, you need to file... Um, See, that's the real twist, folks. ...a rule in this new docket. Okay. Um, so... But it's the rule that staff has proposed that we aren't thrilled with. <clears throat> no, we're not. And we're, we're pretty... I mean, we've been pretty open about that we're not thrilled with it because we don't think it's going to do enough. It's better than what we have yeah, right now. True. It's not as good as it could be, and I don't think it's going to... Um, so one example that we talk about is North Carolina. Yeah. And since they had... Home of the Tar Heels. 
robust uh, <laughs> cogeneration rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they saw a explosion in investment over seven billion dollars. Um, with a B, billion. $7 billion with a B, which seems like it would be a good thing for economy of the state. You know, 6,500 people being uh, given jobs or earning jobs. Yeah. Um, employed. Employed, yeah. yeah. So they saw this huge boom of installed solar. Yeah. Ooh, economic development and good jobs. we got to stop that, right? Right. So, so there was, uh, you know, a bit of a backlash in North Carolina, right? So they actually reduced their um, standard offer contract size to one megawatt rather than five as a way to slow it down. Right. So what the Missouri staff is proposing is this version that other states have said will slow it down, will not be as good for development. Which seems problematic for if you're going to change the rules, wouldn't you want to change it to actually accomplish the policy goal you set out to do? You would think so, right? And, and, And so to... People will say, well, you know, there's a reason they, you know, they cut back on all the solar. I happen to think the reason they cut back on the size of it in North Carolina is politics. Um, you know, it was their legislature passed a law reducing it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't necessarily because the price of electricity exploded or anything yeah. like that. Um, I looked up that um, the EIA, which is the Energy Information Administration, has information about electric rates and the kinds of generation in every state. Um, North Carolina's um, average retail electric rate in 2017 was 9.04 cents per kilowatt hour. Yeah. And in Missouri, it's 10.05 cents. Okay. So they have all of this solar, (laughs) all of this renewable energy, and they get power cheaper on average. Seems like a good deal. So, yeah. So (laughs) it's like, well, maybe we should try replicating that. Yeah. Because, like, look, we're not reinventing, we're not inventing anything here. We're looking at something that we saw successful, that we talked to people in the industry that have said is successful. We're trying to say, maybe we should try it here. And then everyone's like, oh, no, we should do the version that was basically, you know, the version of this rule that was gutted by the legislature and has slowed down this growth in this other state. Is basically what we're looking at now. Right. But we still have a chance to make this argument. Uh, I believe that the staff, technically, even though we know what this rule looks like and we've seen it as a response to our rule, but they um, but they have till, I think, August 30th to file it formally in this new um, in this new uh, docket. Right. August 30th. Um, part of that process is, um, you know, they'll have to do a cost impact. A fiscal note. Fiscal note. Yeah. Um, for the public and private entities involved, um, which is something that's required for all rulemaking um, filings by an agency. Mm-hmm. So I suspect that's what they're working on now. Yeah. Because the rule is already written. Right. Um, and, and it's tricky. I mean, like I know that we had a lot of internal discussions about what a fiscal note for this looks like. I mean, it's our opinion that this should look like something that's like going to make people money because it is. We're talking about avoided costs. And we're talking about lower costs that have to be a part of these agreements. Yeah, I think we're going to see benefits for... There should be benefits. Right. We're not going to say that's exactly what they're going to come up with, but I think we need to make, we're need to we going to be making an argument that that's what it should look like. Right. I think... Um, so when they file their rule, um, parties will have opportunities to respond to that yeah. or to make suggestions. And I suspect that we will be making comments um, saying that the rule doesn't go far enough 
Yep. Um, and we might look at what their fiscal note says and say oh. that you know maybe they they should have looked at it from a different perspective. That sounds like a good plan for how we approach this. You're the boss. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Um, so, so we'll do that. And then I was going to make a Tony Danza joke, but I thought that'd be totally... Hey! <laughs> I mean, really, um, how many times can I truly flop on, on, on one podcast with... Uh, I was going to start doing a uh, Tony Danza... Is he still alive, by the way? Yes, at least. Okay, so. I wasn't going to break any news here. Um, so we're going to... Yeah, so we're gonna like we're gonna we're gonna still keep fighting this, right? And there are um, Tony Danza so be also a, a boxer. We can make that reference. There you go. All right. Really? Yeah. Okay. On that show and in real life. You know, he was a Philadelphia field goal kicking garbage picking phenomenon, right? Something like Wasn't that. Wasn't that a movie with Tony Danza? Sure. I thought that was Mark Wahlberg. Wasn't that like where he like uh, like he was like some normal guy who gets to go on the Eagles? No, like that was in- incredible. He was uh, or not incredible, invincible, invincible, invincible. Wasn't it like and that was like Dick Vermeil? Was this Dick Vermeil? Yeah, yeah, Greg Kinnear played him. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> Sports talk six ten. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right here on WFAN. <laughs> um. Oh my god! Yeah, so we'll I'm have, so sorry. We'll have a chance. Sorry, that's my fault. So that we'll, was your. We'll fault. have a formal <laughs> hearing uh, where you know the parties will present to the regulatory law judge and the commissioners who are um, attending there. Yeah. Um, to talk about and I guess orally explain or to submit additional right. comments that day about why we think changes to the filed rule. Yeah. Um, makes sense. Okay. And the commission will deliberate. Um, it's pretty frequent that they do make some changes. So there's still opportunities for us to, um, even if staff were to file a rule that we don't like, there's opportunities to persuade the commission to adopt the rule that will improve development, that will improve um, investment in Missouri. Because ultimately they're the ones who make the final decision on this. That's right. And as far as the public goes, I mean, there are, excuse me, um, these are, these, this hearing is open to the public. Um, I believe it'll be streamed online. They usually are. Yeah. Um, and we will, of course, keep everyone informed on this. Um, we we think this is a very big deal. We think this is a substantial policy change for the state of Missouri. It can do a lot of good for the Midwest. It'll do a lot of good for customers here. I mean, one thing that we always try to emphasize is renewable energy is good uh, for, you know, people who are actually using electricity. <laughs> um, and so that's all very important. Um, Tim, have we left anything out that you would that you want to impart upon our listeners? Oh, okay. <laughs> Any thoughts about me that you would like to impart on the listeners? Like, now, um, I think yeah, I think <laughs> oh, no, I go. think that um, people um, expect there to be some revisions to this cogeneration rule. Yeah, which will be an improvement over what we have. Over what we have. Yeah. Uh, now, nothing is. 100% certain. Yeah. Right? We've had the opportunity to put forward arguments on this in favor of it in a number of different scenarios. I think um, Andrew before me and then in an ongoing basis, we've made the economic argument, we've made the renewable argument mm-hmm. that this should be something that everybody should be able to get behind. Yeah. Right. Um, I understand why the utilities don't like it because it takes away an opportunity for them to make money. Right. Um, you know, and, and they're not a charity. Right. So yeah. um, they want to uh, 
post things that are going to hurt their bottom right. line. Right. I mean, like, that's just how these things work. Right. Yeah. So we're, hey, look, you know, we say we kind of sit here and criticize the utilities' positions, but that's what we do. We're an app, we, you know, we are before an adversary of Lottie, and we work on that stuff. We work with the utilities when we can. Uh, we work to try to strive to make them better when we don't get to work with them. And I mean, that's just how this goes. So yep. that's how the world works, right, Tim? So it makes the cookie crumble. Okay, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to say anymore. I do appreciate you all for listening. And I do hope that if you have any questions about this proper rulemaking or anything we're doing here, you'll reach out to me, james at renewmo.org. Um, or you can reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook. If you like what you hear on this podcast, maybe not this podcast, but just in general, because now we have been doing this. No joke, Matthew Patterson. Has it been a year? It's been a year. They, I feel like they, we should have got like something for that. I, I what I would like to get is more <laughs> listeners. That's right. Um, yeah, I actually, Share no, it no, no kidding, people. Media. People on the staff, not you all, maybe you, said that we wouldn't have enough material to do this for like a couple months. We and, showed them. And maybe that's true. But uh, <laughs> but we stretched this out over a year. We cause enough issues and, you know, get enough things I, stirred up well, that I think we got plenty of material. Yeah, I think that's the thing that people, I mean, like, look, I mean, I talk to people all the time who are like, well, what's really going on in Missouri? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, a, a lot we do a newsletter every other week that is, you know, that has like four or five things in there that I consider to be substantial positive stuff. And there's all these little things that are like real technical that are harder to kind of digest. I mean, that's like one of the reasons I like doing this podcast is because we can take kind of these weird arcane ideas like PERPA and cogeneration and kind of break them down in a way that peppers them with Tony Danza references and Ernest P. World jokes. Um, and I hope that helps. Or maybe it just makes everyone mad at me. I don't know. Either way, it's provocative. <laughs> and so, and, and so, um, yeah. So I think like with the podcast, I mean, we could do this more often. Uh, but at the same time, we don't really make any money off of it. We just kind of do this because we think it's useful for our supporters. And so um, I have to be mindful of that. Uh, and I have to be mindful of your time because you could be working on our rulemaking. But instead, how long have we we've been doing this for a, a while now? This is going to be kind of a long podcast, but that's okay. We had a lot to talk about. So, again, uh, subscribe to this on Spotify and iTunes. Share this on social media. Write a review telling us how you like it. And um, until next time, uh, just keep watching for that cookie to crumble. Right, Tim? That's right. <laughs>